0: At this time, I want us to give a Crowley Heritage of Faith welcome to Pastor Carla. Thank you, Pastor Justin. Love Love you. Oh, good morning, Heritage of Faith. Thank you so much. You may be seated in the love of God. Oh, what a joy to be with you this morning and with Mrs. Savell and And really, she just leaned over and said, people are watching from all over the world. I know some of my family members in Kenya, my precious Kenyan family members are watching. Hello to Pastor Davies Kamori and his wife, Tina, and others who may be watching. I love you and I miss you. Hallelujah. I am going to be sharing with you this morning about the upcoming election." And I'm sort of a bit qualified to do this because I've pastored in Kenya now for a long, long time. And my late husband and I pastored Kenyans through several elections. It was never easy. And the two tribes that would be at loggerheads with each other we were the two biggest tribes in the nation, and we had so many, and, and have so many from these two tribes in our church today. And you know, as a pastor, you love everybody, and you want everyone blessed. That was, it's always painful when division comes between people. Let me tell you, it is never the work of God to divide a nation. Right there, we begin to discern between good and evil. And as the people of God, church, we are called in the fear of God to hate evil. And we see the works of the enemy is, uh, I believe he's very angry because his time is short But as the church, we carry a very special responsibility before God Almighty Himself. And so what I'm talking to you about is not political. I'm going to pastor you just like I've pastored our church through contentious elections in Kenya So I have a little bit of experience in this, and I thank God for each one of you today that you have ears here. I don't know about you, but I'm a student. I'm always learning. I'm always begging God to correct me where my thoughts do not agree with his thoughts and my ways do not agree with his ways. I want light in my heart and in my life and for him to correct me. And believe me, he does. Hallelujah. He's faithful to do that. And so I want to speak to you today. Who is America and what is America? You're going to see I'm going back to the beginning and how important that is And let me say to everyone born in this nation, if you were born in the United States of America, you have a great destiny that is attached to this nation. So if you don't understand what this nation is, it will affect your destiny. If you were not born in this nation and you immigrated here, I know some of you did. Richard Mushai, right here on the front row, was born in Kenya. He immigrated here. He is a citizen here. You are here for a divine purpose. And that purpose, God very much wants to fulfill. Our divine, the divine purpose and destiny of this nation is intricately woven into God's divine purpose for each and every one of us individually, no matter how we came to America. And here's the principle I'm speaking to you on. God is purposeful and strategic. He is always purposeful and strategic. You are here not just to live here, but for a divine purpose Jeremiah 29:11 says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a future and a hope and so having lived out of this nation for years i can tell you throughout the world america is thought of as a Christian nation and identified as the leading nation in the world and a Christian nation. That's so important, but we're at a point where that's being threatened. Our position in the world as the leading nation and the leading Christian nation is being threatened by all the efforts to secularize this nation many americans know little or nothing about our struggle for independence i've i've seen reporters ask americans on the street who's the first president and that they'll say abraham lincoln they have no idea they don't understand the war of independence that where we obtained our liberty from Britain, they don't understand the Civil War and that Abraham Lincoln led us through the Civil War. And so if they don't understand the fundamentals and the basics of America, they have no vision for God's purpose for this nation. They don't understand the call That is upon this nation. And what does the Bible say? Without a vision. The people perish. So what does it mean. When we say America is a Christian nation. Well let's bring some light. By just saying a few things about what a Christian nation is not. Number one a Christian nation is not a nation where everyone in it is a Christian and a Christian late nation, uh, does not have a law requiring you to be a Christian. Even very often our leaders are not Christians. That's not a requirement either, but it really does help. And, uh, we, we have no established religion. In fact, our Constitution says that no laws shall be made concerning the establishment of religion. In other words, it can never be said in America as it has been in other nations. We're a Catholic nation. Or we're an Anglican nation. Or we're a Baptist nation or a Methodist nation. Nation, No, there shall be no establishment of religion, but uh, people have taken that to mean you can, you cannot be religious in the public square. Don't bring the name of Jesus out into the public. Now, if you want to be religious, go to church and do what you want to do there, but don't bring it out. In the public. So being a Christian nation does not mean that uh, anyone is compelled to be a Christian here. So, what does it mean to be a Christian nation? Church, to be a Christian nation, and you must understand this about America, means that our foundation, our root base, is Christianity. Christianity is at our roots, and our roots, Christianity, have molded, formed, and shaped us as a nation. In other words, you can be a sinner in this nation and still know right from wrong because we have, in the past at least, had a culture That everyone knew it was wrong to lie. Everyone knew it was wrong to steal. Everyone had a sense of morality. Why? Because we had been shaped by Christianity. So let me say this about the United States of America. Christianity and the Bible is the foundation of our nation. And it informs our morals our institutions, our ethics, our laws, and our behavior as a nation. Do you know when you go overseas, people can just watch you walking or or observe your mannerisms, and they know immediately you're from America. We're different than other nations. Do you know one of the things they say? Americans are so friendly. Americans are so polite, are so nice. So a Christian nation is a nation founded upon biblical principles which shape our values, institution, and culture. Church, all of that is being threatened right now. Our values are being threatened. Good is being called evil. Evil is being called good. Our institutions are being threatened. Uh, Our very history, as well as our present, our culture, is under great attack. And so we have to stop and evaluate what is happening. And the way to do that is we go back to our roots was America founded truly as a Christian nation. Now I always deal with these issues on principle. Why is it important to go back to our roots? Listen, Jeremiah six sixteen in the NIV says, Stand at the crossroads where you make a decision, where you evaluate, and you make choices at the crossroads. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, listen, many are saying today, we will not walk in it. Many are saying that. Yet the evidence, when you examine the evidence, is irrefutable. America was founded as a Christian nation. Listen, what are the ancient paths? When I talk about the ancient paths, what does that mean? Listen to the amplified. Thus says the Lord... Stand by the roads and look. In other words, church, we're in an election season. We can go this way. We can go that way. We're at a place of making monumental decisions concerning this nation. Listen to the Amplified. What are the ancient paths? Thus says the Lord, stand by the road and look and ask for the eternal paths. So the ancient paths are the eternal paths. That's where God walks. That's where the kingdom of God is established. God's eternal paths are righteousness, truth, and justice. Hallelujah. Now, what path is this nation going to continue walking in? As for the eternal paths, where the good old way is. Do you know, instead of tearing down this nation, we actually need to go back to the eternal paths where the good old way, the good way that we were originally established in, our foundations are found. Then walk in it, live. In those eternal paths. Walk, let us continue, in other words, God is saying, to walk with God as a Christian nation. Church, we're, we're at the point of making decisions that we will, we've been very secularized. Do you know I've had people come and visit partners, Pastor Justin and other partners throughout the years come and visit in Kenya? And one of the major things we do, we were invited by the government to come and teach Christianity and faith in the high schools of Kenya. Kenya is the only nation on earth that the government has a government-sponsored program to evangelize our high school students. We're the only nation in the world. So when Pastor Justin brings a team, I tell you, we we set up as many uh, uh, meetings in the high schools as they have time for us to set up. Hallelujah. The good paths, the eternal paths, walking with God, church That is not permitted in the United States of America. Yet we're supposed to be the home of the free, the land of the brave, or maybe that's vice versa. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Do you know you cannot do that? And so I've had people say, do you know you have more religious freedom here in Kenya than we do in the United States of America? And I say, I know we do. We do. America has lost so many freedoms because we're being secularized and God is being removed from all of our institutions and we are rapidly losing our status as a Christian nation. And as we're losing our status as a Christian nation, we're losing our status as the leading nation. It's affecting everything when faith and uh is denied a voice in a nation. So the ancient paths are the paths of God where his eternal purposes are found. This is where the, the ancient paths are where you make covenant with God. The covenant and the words in the covenant apply directly to every individual born in this nation. Or who immigrates to this nation. And the words of our covenant apply directly to us as a nation, as a whole. And will determine the course of our future. When you walk in the eternal paths where God walks, this is the path of blessing. But when you say we will not walk in it, you have just removed yourself from the position of being blessed. So God calls the ancient paths of covenant with him the good way. The way that is honorable, the way that is righteous, and the way that is noble and true. The ancient paths are where we walk with God upon the earth in righteousness. It's the sphere of the kingdom of God on earth. So I've got this question. As a nation, did we ever in our founding commit ourselves to God and to his will? Have we ever made covenant with God? Well, actually, we've made many covenants with God. But I'm going back to the original covenant today. We're going to learn something that happened A long time ago in 1607, when a group of English colonists came to the harbor of what came to be called Cape Henry, which was named after King James' son, and I don't have time to tell you about the decades of faith and prayer that led to these three ships coming to American soil, the three ships carried 105 soul uh, people, settlers, and 40 seamen. They had a very difficult crossing. <clears throat> you put um, 145 people on three very small ships. They had a lot of strife on the way over, and uh, tempers flared. And their leader was Reverend Robert Hunt, an Anglican minister, a devout Christian. And he knew that when they came, land was in sight. It was in the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia. He knew they were in no spiritual condition to get off that ship. There had just been too much friction and strife. And so after this arduous trip, he made them stay on the ship three days in fasting and prayer, repenting, asking forgiveness. Uh, he, he spoke the word over them. They knew they had come for God's purpose. And after three days, they disembarked from the sh- small ships. But they made room for something very significant, a rough hewn wooden cross that they had brought with them on one of the ships from England. And so they disembarked. They put their feet on American soil carrying that seven foot cross with them. And they planted it. The first act, after they landed on this soil, was to plant that cross. They surrounded it, colonists and sailors, and they held the first prayer service on American soil and offered thanksgiving to God for his mercy and grace in giving them safe passage to the new land. And Reverend Hunt reminded them from the scriptures that they had sailed under Matthew 15, 13. In the new century version, Jesus answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. That's the scripture that they came to America on. And of course, over 400 years later, church, we're still here we're still here so the this is one of and the first ancient path that we return to to answer the question is america a christian nation we had a former president say america's not a christian nation no it's it's not a christian nation it's just as much a muslim nation a hindu nation a Bo- a buddhist nation but church that is simply not accurate america was founded as a christian nation and the first official act by our first settlers on this land, was to pray. And I want to read you the prayer that Reverend Robert Hunt read that day or spoke that day over this nation. He said, We do hereby dedicate this land and ourselves to reach the people within these shores with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, and to raise up godly generations after us. And with these generations, take the kingdom of God to all the earth. May this covenant of dedication remain to all generations. Church, that's our generation as well. And we've got to make a decision. Are we going to continue to walk in the ancient paths of covenant with God as a devout Christian nation? And with these generations, take the kingdom of God to all the earth. May this covenant of dedication remain to all generations. Do you know we were included in this prayer? That Reverend Hunt prayed as long as the earth remains and may this land along with England be evangelist to the world. May all who see this cross remember what we have done here and may those who come here to inhabit join us in this covenant and in this noble work. That the holy scriptures may be fulfilled. Do you know, I don't even think they teach this in school anymore. You don't hear about the founding of America as a Christian nation. But you know, they've got plenty of time to teach that there are 95 genders. and Or it may be 995 genders. You know, that... Keeps changing the more dark, ungodly ideas and perversion that they come up with. They've got plenty of time to teach that, but not our foundational Christian roots. Church, I just want to say it's God's dream for this prayer to be fulfilled. It's God's dream for this prayer to be fulfilled in each one of our individual lives. It's God's dream for this generation to return to the ancient paths and recognize we have a covenant with God that is based on the Word of God and we will not let that covenant fall to the ground unfulfilled. We will take up that covenant and evangelize this nation, and go into all the world with the gospel. Church, may I hear an amen. Amen. It's for every generation of Americans, however you came here, to hear about and recognize and acknowledge this covenant and commit our lives to fulfilling it. Boy, I'm cramming a lot. Do you know, I'm making four points today, and every one of them is a series. And my lovely family in Kenya will know there are series I've taught in Kenya, you know, on really significant topics. I would say church today is part 25 (laughs) in our series on the righteousness of God or, or whatever it would be. Listen to Acts 17, 26 through 27 in the Passion Bible. Listen, church, this is so significant. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity, and he spread us over all the earth. Listen, he sets boundaries. That word means borders. Borders. So there should be no talk of do away with our borders. Church, God sets boundaries. Do you know one time we tried to invade Canada just after we had won the Revolutionary War and we were thoroughly defeated? Why is that? Well, our border stops at Canada. See, God sets boundaries or borders. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. Now, listen, he has done that so that every person would long for God. See, we're a nation that we might all long for God. Feel our way to him and find him. For he is the God who is easy to discover. Hallelujah. Church, that's so profound. There's a whole series just on that one scripture. That is so profound. But you can't make laws that forbid the name of Jesus being spoken in the public square. You can't make laws that you can't bring a Bible to school. Do you know, when I was in school, we had homeroom. And our homeroom teacher, every day, all five days of the week, would read the Bible to us. Yeah. We would say a prayer. We would stand up. Every classroom had a flagpole with an American flag. We would put our hands over our hearts and pledge allegiance to the United States of America. Did did you do that? Yeah, we all did that. Pledge allegiance to the United States of America. She would make the announcements for the day and then dismiss us to go to our first class. But now they're teaching what a bad terrible nation America is and that America should be torn down and we start all over and make it a socialist country. But that's not our foundation. That's not. You can't go on the ancient paths of America and wind up where a socialist country church is just not there. No, we're a Christian nation and we were founded as a christian nation. And thank God if a nation wasn't founded as a christian nation, they can they can make that decision to become a christian nation. Somebody say amen somebody. So now I've got a question. Are we going to keep America as a christian nation? <clears throat> All the covenants we've made with God. There are the New England covenants, the Virginia covenants, the Mayflower Compact. Our constitution are all sacred documents where we pledged ourselves to God and to walk in his ways. Now, why do we return to the ancient past? Well, we're in danger of losing our position and and faith as a Christian nation. And we're in danger of not fulfilling our covenant. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. And church there is a great harvest before us. And God would say to America. I have to have you to reap the great in time harvest. <laughs> America don't leave me now. I need you. In fact, he wants us to be the leading nation in this heart. Certainly not the only nation. But church, great light has come from this nation. And God wants that to continue to be so. So that's our first covenant with God when we go to the ancient past. And now I want to share about one of our early flags. This is another piece of history. That's very important. In the early days of our war of independence from Great Britain, George Washington, our forefathers, the the colonialists, colonialists faced so many difficulties, and uh, there were urgent, pressing decisions for them to be to make. And one of the decisions was, well, see, we were just a colony; we were a ragtag army. We needed a flag <laughs> to be and the reason a flag so important militarily, I'm sure one of our military men here could explain it better, but is you've got to be able to distinguish between your forces and the enemy forces. And we didn't really have a flag. But one of the first that began to be widely used was called an appeal to heaven flag, and some of our earliest battles were flown under that flag. For example, at Bunker Hill and the Battle of Boston, the appeal to heaven flag flew. When George, George Washington commissioned our first military ships, we had a tiny navy He directed that the appeal to heaven flag would fly above every ship in our original Navy. As brutal battles with the British were fought, the appeal to heaven flag came to be recognized as the colonists' fight for liberty. That flag was identified with the original colony's fight for liberty. And the flag was based on a paper, a treatise, that John Locke had written. And he said, when you have no hope on earth, when there is no way you can have victory on earth, the battle is arrayed against you. There is one thing left to do, and that is to appeal to heaven. And he based it on Judges eleven twenty-seven in the New Kings James Bible. Uh, well, let me tell you, the Ammonites were claiming land that belonged to the Israelites. And they, they were not backing off. And so Judges 11, and in Judges eleven twenty seven, it reads, Therefore, I have not sinned against you. This, this was the Israelite speaking. But you have wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the children of Israel. Of Ammon. So the Lord, an appeal to heaven, John Locke said, based on this scripture, is that the Lord is the judge. If the Lord is with you, you're going to win. But if you've got unrighteousness in your hands, you're not going to win. So the words, an appeal to heaven, were decreed. Over this nation, during the Revolutionary War from England, and it flew over military, uh, the battles, military encampments, over uh, our engagement in combat with Great Britain, the appeal to heaven flag was everywhere. And against all odds... Against all odds, church, God, the judge, gave us victory over the mightiest nation on earth. The appeal to heaven flag is a living proclamation of God's everlasting promises to this nation. And it involves his purpose and destiny for us. Jessica, would you come forward, please? And Pastor Justin, would you come forward? Pastor Justin, <clears throat> I believe this appeal to heaven flag is so significant that I want to present you with an appeal to heaven flag. Hallelujah. Here we go. Okay, that and this is the flag that George Washington flew over our original Navy. It flew over the battlefield of the Revolutionary War when our early forefathers appealed to heaven for victory over. Great Britain. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just saying it's got a place there to Oh yeah, definitely. Put it on a flagpole. We want to give him that box. Pastor Justin, if you would like the box as well, it goes with the flag. Hallelujah. That is so significant. So, church, if we walk the ancient paths and we go back and we find out that we've been lied to in present generations, that we're a secular nation, we're not really a Christian nation, we find out when we walk the ancient paths you'll find the truth because you'll find the God of truth in the ancient paths. So if we are a Christian nation then what part does God play in our nation? I want to say this. America is unique just as Israel is unique. Israel is unique because God chose Israel to be his first nation. Israel is God's firstborn. Israel is unique, but I'm going to tell you why America is unique. Church, America chose God to be our nation, our God, the God of this nation. And God, let me tell you, is fighting for us. He will never forget that we chose to be in covenant with God. Hallelujah. If anyone says, oh, America's not a Christian nation, it's never been a Christian nation. That's a lie. We were founded as a Christian nation. So what role, if we are a Christian nation, does God play in our nation? Let me just take us back again to the Revolutionary War, which was 1775, 1783. Church, you go back to that war, and it is so obvious that this ragtag army, this bedraggled, poorly dressed, ill fed, poorly equipped, do you know we had to make our own guns, homemade guns, while the British were the mightiest nation on earth with the finest military equipment on earth we had to make our own guns handmade guns handmade bullets there is no way we could have defeated the british except god was fighting for us god was fighting for us we were a colony that didn't even have an army we had no military We made a decision at that time. I think this is important. And it's enshrined in our Constitution that never again as a nation would the government have all the guns. Church, I'm all for gun safety, gun etiquette. Be so respectful. Be so careful. Be well trained and so forth. But we made a decision at our founding that the army would not be the only ones with the guns, that we would never as a nation be put in that position again where we were at the mercy of those who had guns taking our liberties and our freedoms from from us. I know that can be controversial, but that's why we have the Second Amendment to keep and bear arms is to maintain freedom, and for the government to understand, you're not our boss, we're your boss. I think so many in government have forgotten that that they serve at our pleasure. They're not to be entrenched there for life, twisting and turning this nation so that I look at it and I can hardly recognize it as the nation that I was born into and grew up in so that 's why we have a second amendment is for our own protection and defense of freedom from the powerful who think they don't answer to us yes. now I'll just let that stay right there, but th- there's a whole series I could preach on that. <laughs> Hallelujah. (laughs) So we've come to a point now, the name of Jesus isn't welcome in schools. There's no prayer in schools. Uh, You know, they don't want you displaying the Ten Commandments. When I was in school, the Ten Commandments was in every classroom. And we certainly didn't have the issues that we're struggling with today. They don't want crosses displayed in public. Can you imagine? No, it's countries like China, who the last several months have torn down hundreds of crosses. See, we don't want a government like that. Taking our freedom of religion, our freedom of expression, our freedom of speech, church, we have to stand against that. Or we will no longer be the home of the brave, the land of the free, or vice versa, whichever one it is. Hallelujah. It's amazing that, that there have been so many lawsuits against the display of a cross in public. Hallelujah. What, what does the Bible say about God in government? Pastor Justin, I can tell I'm not going to finish. Y'all, I may get out more during the second service, but let me just abbreviate. Psalm 2, beginning with verse 7, we're talking about God and government. Does God have a place in our government? I will declare the decree. Verse 7, the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Speaking of Jesus, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance <clears throat> and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Listen, the nations belong to Jesus. They are his inheritance. Don't tell me I can't say the name of Jesus in public. This nation belongs to Jesus. Jesus is Lord of the United States of America. Don't tell me I can't say the name of Jesus. I'll tell you, you'll get my Irish up real, real quick. You've heard of the fighting Irish. I'm normally very quiet, but there are issues. You don't want to cross me. Hallelujah. Does God belong in government? Psalm 22, verse 28. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. Now the question is, will the nations acknowledge his rule and be blessed in doing so? Or will they rebel against his rule? Psalm 47 and verse 2. For the Lord Most High is to be feared a great king over all the earth. Listen to Isaiah 9, 6. For a child shall be born to us, a son given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. God will give us good government if we will turn to him, renew our covenants with him, and commit ourselves to obey his word. And then finally, and guys, this clinches the deal right here about God and government. Isaiah 33, 22, for the Lord is our judge the Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. And the United States government is our constitution. Our institutions are based on that scripture. From the beginning, our government was based on that scripture. For the Lord is our judge. That's our judiciary. For the Lord is our lawgiver. That's our legislature, our senate, and so forth. The Lord is our king. That's our executive branch. So we were established as a government on the word of God. These are the three pillars of the government of the United States judicial Legislative and executive. Church, let me tell you a secret. This is a secret. God is government. Just like God is healing. God is prosperity. God is blessing. God is redemption. God is re- deliverance. God is government. Don't think you can be blessed contradicting God's will in government. I'll tell you, curse after curse. I've, see, I've watched it from afar. Curse after curse after curse comes when you oppose God's government. Can I have a, at least a small amen on that? Yes. Hallelujah. We are a Christian nation. But today, so many of our laws contradict the word of God. You know, it amazes me when people say, I love God. But they don't live according to his word. Well, it may be true that you love God. But when you walk in disobedience, it's obvious you don't love his word. To love God is to walk in the truth and to walk in the light as he is the truth and he is the light. We are to walk in the light as he is in the light. Not what we think is right or not what some unbeliever thinks thinks is right. Church, how can the church agree with the world of darkness? It's beyond my comprehension that we can come in agreement with the world of darkness. We're a Christian nation, but many of our laws contradict the word of God. How can that be? We're a Christian nation, many of our Supreme Court systems, our, our decisions, contradict the word of God. Church, so much evil has come out of our Supreme Court. So much evil. And I know what I'm saying is true. The most evil decision that's ever come out of the Supreme Court is to legislate from the bench and make abortion legal. See, they couldn't get it through Congress, but they put justices on the Supreme Court that have far exceeded their power and authority. I'm telling you, so much evil has come out of the Supreme Court. How can you make abortion legal? Church, abortion is murder. Abortion is bloodshed. Abortion is the stealing of an innocent, vulnerable life in the womb of the mother. I'm always amazed when married, of course, no one says it to me that isn't married, when they say, well, this baby was such a surprise. I almost want to smack him. Pastor Justin, it's like, why are you surprised? You have three other children. Do we know, do we not know what causes? So to me, that doesn't make a lick of sense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, if you're not married, you've got choices to make. Number one, are you going to do the deed? If you make that decision to do the deed, are we so ignorant that we don't know how to prevent conception? So you've got lots of choices to make before abortion. Why legalize the murder of a child? You made several decisions, several choices before you got to that position of abortion. Church, it is so ungodly, so irresponsible, so hard hearted. I, I, I hardly have a vocabulary to express the ungodliness of abortion. And yet to some people, having abortion or the right to abortion is a religion. I am telling you it's a religion. It's what they esteem above everything else. That is a reprobate mind. And we do not want to descend from the heights of being a Christian nation to being a reprobate nation. But that is... The very critical place that we are at. I'm so grateful that Amy Coney Barrett will be voted in tomorrow as a Supreme Court Justice on the Supreme Court. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory to the Lord Most High. Thank you, Jesus. She is openly and unashamedly pro-life. Her record is a pro-life record. Church, I could say so much more, but go back to the ancient past and all the confusion goes, all the compromise, all the indecision. If we're a Christian nation, what part does the church play? We agree God has a role in a Christian nation because he is government. So we receive him as our governor. But what role does the church play in a Christian nation? Pastor, just give me a few more minutes. Matthew 16, 18 through 19. This scripture is a major series. It is a major series. I I tell you, we could, we could go to town on this scripture. Listen to it from the Passion Translation. I give you the name Peter, a stone. And this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church. So we're talking about building. We're talking about foundation. What are the ancient paths? It's our foundation. It's our bedrock where we build from. And the truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church. What does he call the church? My legislative assembly. We are God's voice. We are his legislature in the earth. Don't Tell me, as a Christian, that you don't want to be involved in politics. Now, what I'm talking about, I'm not being political, church. I'm endeavoring to speak the truth of the Word of God. But I could say, rather than politics, let's say government. Church, you cannot back away from government or you leave it to the world of darkness. Why? Is abortion the law of this land? I can remember when I was born again in 1978. It was commonly said in the church at that time. Oh, don't bother with politics. We're not going to be here long. In other words, we're going to be raptured soon. It was even said, don't bother getting an education. You're just wasting your time. We're not going to be here that much longer. And we gave, we backed out of the public arena, we backed out of government, we backed out of education, we backed further and further away from our responsibility as God's legislative assembly on the earth. Church, let me tell you, why is Roe versus Wade the law of the land today? Because the church was irresponsible. We have to tell it like it is. And so my legislative assembly and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm. Now listen to this. To forbid on earth what is already forbidden in heaven. And to release on earth that which is released in heaven. We speak for God. Church, let me tell you, we vote for God. A lot of people don't think of their vote that way, but we vote for God. I have no other vote, no other thought except to agree with God in my voting because I realize I'm, I'm part of his ecclesia. I rule and reign in the name of Jesus on the earth. What does that mean? It means we agree with God. That's my role. My role is not to be political. My role is to understand God, to know him, to know his word, to know his ways, and to agree with him. That's my role as a member of the Ecclesia. Hallelujah. We pray continually, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The Ecclesia represents God in this nation. Many in the church have not taken their responsibilities seriously. Do you know just as many Christians have abortions... As those who are not born again. They may say I love God. But I'm telling you church. They do not love his word. They do not know his ways. If so, And this has happened. Someone comes to me in the church. They're single. They're pregnant. You know what my response is? I take them in my arms. And say we're going to walk with you through this. And I do. No condemnation, I'm not the judge, I know their heart. No, no condemnation. Church, you absolutely embrace the one who comes to you with an issue like that. Hallelujah. Just as many Christians have abortions. Do you know the U.S. exports 60% of the world's pornography? 60%. The trash, the junk that Hollywood and the media produce, the lies, the perverted behavior. Do you know most of the perversion of the world comes out of America? Sure. Hallelujah. This is true. This is true. It comes out of America, the nation that chose God. We need to return to the ancient past and our covenant with God. S- between 62 and 70 million babies have been aborted in this nation since 1973. And I want to say that this to my precious black brothers and sisters. You are about 15% of the American population. Over 20 million of those babies that have been aborted have been black babies. Because Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, was prejudiced. And most of the abortion clinics are easily they were in, intentionally positioned in black neighborhoods it was on purpose don't fall for the lie i'm a woman i've got a right to my body i'll do what i want to with my body no one can tell me what to do with my body how arrogant is that how ungodly is that attitude And now they're trying to force taxpayers to pay for all these abortions. I don't want to pay for anyone's abortion. I abhor abortion. It is ungodly and unrighteous. I'm not being condemning. I'm telling you the truth. Because church, it has to change. Hallelujah. Let me wind up. I mean, I could go on and on how we've abandoned our education system. But let me say this, church. Don't vote against God. Don't vote against God. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Don't vote personality. Vote platform. Vote principle. Vote platform. What does The political party you're thinking about voting for, stand for. Do they stand with God? Do they exalt the name of Jesus? Or like one party had their, you know, nomination process. And when they said the Pledge of Allegiance, they said the Pledge of Allegiance, but they left out under God. They did not say that. So they changed the Pledge of Allegiance to fit their position. Look at the platform. Because a platform is like an altar. A platform is full of principles that they stand for. And when you vote, you're voting for that platform. It's like, Co-signing on that platform. You are saying, I agree with these principles. I co-sign. My vote is my co-sign for this platform. You're saying, I agree. This should be done. This should happen. You've got righteous platforms and unrighteous platforms. I don't think any of them are perfect, but you choose the most godly one. Although I see much unrighteousness in the land church, I believe we're in this decade going to see many things happen. I don't have time to tell you. But one of them is we're going we're we're going to move into revival in this decade we're going to move into a third great awakening in this decade, but our vote this time has all to do with that third great awakening. Are we going to stand for god? are we going to Vote in agreement with God. Are we going to exalt the name of Jesus in this election? These are decisions that we have to make. Would you stand up with me, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, just lift your hands. I pray for this people who are standing before me. That they would be filled with your spirit, even as they go into the voting booth. That they would hear the voice of the Savior saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Father, may the church return to the ancient paths, to the paths of covenant, to the paths of truth. And Father, I pray for Heritage of Faith Church that you would look upon this church and say, I find you faithful. I find you faithful in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Pastor Justin, amen. I love you, church.